Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello, welcome in. We've made it to a Friday program into the week coming. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's look at the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, a number of headlines to get to today. We'll recap Big Ten Football Media Day from an IU perspective yesterday. We'll tell you some of the things that Tom Allen had to say. Also, a new recruit to know in 2025, uh, that class for Indiana, a scholarship offer recently went out to another out-of-state player, and we'll tell you about that. Big games in high school football this season. We are weeks away from the start of the season. We uh, recently went through the week one games, but we'll go through some of the big games on the schedule this season and uh, give you a rundown of uh, some of the big nights ahead as far as uh, high school football goes here and Clark and Floyd County. And there is a special school board meeting, New Albany-Floyd County School Board meeting, that has been set for Monday night. And on the agenda is the hiring of a new New Albany basketball coach to replace Jim Shannon. So more on that coming up. And last night at Freedom Hall, it pained me that I couldn't make it, but the Ville in the basketball tournament, second round game, they won a highly contested game Great ball game, very physical game, and the Ville Louisville alumni team is now one victory away from winning the Louisville Regional and advancing on to, I believe it would be the quarterfinal round of the basketball tournament in their quest to win $1 million. Uh, Freedom Hall has been alive. The crowd has been electric. Uh, Again, I go back to something that I've uh, been on a platform here for a while now saying Indiana has to get a alumni team or at least a primary, uh, primarily, it doesn't have to be 100%, uh, but an alumni team in the TBT next season. Let's hope that that can happen. But more on that coming up. We'll tell you about their Saturday game as well. Uh, and then later in the show, Friday, we're going to talk uh, today a lot about the TBT because John Mugar, he's the founder and the director of the basketball tournament that started as a small event then won over the support of ESPN, and now is drawing good crowds at a lot of these regionals, and it's a good TV audience as well. He's going to join us. He's been with us the last couple years to talk about this tournament, how it's grown, how it's built up, and John has been in Louisville for the Louisville Regional, and so he's going to check in with us here later in the program. And then, as always on Fridays, Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star He will check in. You know, we've had some bad news to talk about with Kyle recently. We've had, I won't call it an exodus, but definitely a handful of really key players in state 
set up for big high school basketball seasons have exited high school hoops in our state. And uh, we'll talk more about that today, the prep school option, the other elite options for high school basketball and development that are out there these days. But we'll talk about that with Kyle. We'll get into some other recruiting things as well. And with Kyle, we'll talk about high school football, which uh, is just around the corner, just a few weeks away. That's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's uh, remind you that the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Let's get into some of the headlines of the day. First off, Tom Allen on the podium, I guess you'd say two different times. He had his uh, Big Ten uh, press conference there at Lucas Oil. Then he joined Big Ten Network later in the day for another interview piece. So we got to hear a lot from the head IU football coach. He confirmed what I think we've expected. He will not, uh, Coach Allen himself, will not call Indiana's defense this season. And he really talked up the new defensive coordinator. I'm not even sure how you say his last name, but Matt, is it Guri? I'm not even sure how you pronounce his last name. But for Indiana, the new defensive uh, coordinator will be taking over those responsibilities, I think is what we assume might happen. But uh, he went through a lot of stuff about the team Spent a lot of time talking about the defense and the new D.C. for the program. And we got to hear from a couple IU football players as well uh, that uh, were a part of the media day uh, on the IU side. So uh, the word for IU football, you know, Tom Allen is big on this uh, LEO and different descriptive words to describe each season. The word for 2023, according to Coach Allen, is toughness. He said, we define that as mental and physical strength to persevere. He went on to say that, quote, we had eight games last season that were decided in the fourth quarter. So far, the past seven months, we've been building our toughness and developing this football team to be able to finish in those opportunities. We have a strong nucleus returning, and we have had great success in the portal. We've been very focused on identifying young men across the country that were the best football players that fit our culture, that wanted to be in Indiana. Obviously, a compressed window to figure that out, so we focused on a lot of guys we already knew, had recruited previously or coached, may have coached at a previous school or had a chance to be able to get to know a coach on that staff that was with him every single day. I think that's very, very important. Coach Allen went on to say, quote, also really excited about the three new staff members we have on the field. Bob Bostad, the new offensive line coach, he brings tremendous experience in identifying and developing offensive linemen in the Big Ten Conference, as well as the new defensive coordinator, who I can't pronounce his last name, who will be coaching our safeties and co-defensive coordinator, who will be calling our defense, and then also Anthony Tucker, our new wide receivers coach that brings tremendous experience, once again focused on identifying and developing players at his position. So we're excited about this program. 
obviously have a challenging schedule ahead of us. Very excited about the future. Got to build it. Keep growing every single day. That was some of the things Tom Allen had to say in his opening statement yesterday, going through some uh, key points for the team this season. A lot of time spent on his new coaching staff, uh, some of the key positions coming in this season. So, um, again, IU football, to me, too much unknown from the quarterback position to roster turnover to incoming players from the transfer portal. If you're an IU fan, it has to be nice to hear Coach Allen talk in a very exciting fashion about what he thinks of IU football for next season. But Tom Allen is the head coach. It is his job to be very passionate and excited and build the interest in IU football for next season. And if you followed this football program under Coach Allen's leadership, in some really awesome times for the program and in some really down times or questionable times like where I think we're at now, uh, he's been an extremely, extremely positive person. That is an outstanding trait that he has to turn negative situations, injuries, losing streaks, whatever he's had to face as the IU head coach. He's always met those things head on and been very positive. So no surprise to see him be so upbeat. And again, it's a fresh season. No games have been played yet. Who knows how this plays out? He did bring up a tremendous point. IU lost a lot of games or a lot of games got away from them late in the contest last season. Had they been able to finish stronger, to finish tougher, some of the exact things that he hit on yesterday, could Indiana have been a bowl-eligible team last season? They were right there in so many games. So we'll see. I think Indiana fans going to give this football program a chance, but as far as the excitement level or the media that is doing the projections and the rankings of the Big Ten at this point, Indiana really doesn't even register on those radars this season, even as somebody that could be a breakthrough team. So if they're able to have success or become bowl eligible, it will be an unbelievable job by Tom Allen and his football staff, that is for sure. IU basketball, another name to know, a top 20 wing forward in the class of 2025. His name is Jameer Jones. He's one of the top... uh, wing forwards in the country he is from florida and announced that he had received a scholarship uh, offer from indiana on his twitter account over the weekend jones is six foot six 200 pounds he attends oak ridge high school in sarasota florida transferred back to that school this is interesting he transferred back to that school from his uh, uh, img academy in florida so There's a guy that went the uh, upper echelon route in high school basketball but winds up coming back to his hometown school. He averaged 20.1 points per game, uh, five rebounds, and 2.4 assists per game last season. Uh, Previous to that, as a sophomore, he really didn't have a big role at IMG. They are always a powerhouse program. But uh, Jameer definitely, Jameer Jones, definitely a big name in the wing forward classification in 2025 so we'll see how things play out with his recruitment but indiana really spreading out now in 2025 a lot of in-state guys or at least a handful and a lot of guys from different places in the country they have offered and are tracking and expecting to get visits from coming out of the july evaluation period so we'll see how all this shakes out indiana attached to so many names right now 
especially in 2025, and they're also adding a lot of names, I'm sure, to the board in 2026 as well. It's just different. The high school recruiting, it's hard to know. It's hard to project out like we used to be able to do because of the transfer portal. Uh, It's hard to know how many guys Indiana's hoping to get from high school basketball or from the 2024-2025 classes because you can take care of so many of your needs in a way that's much more proven through the transfer portal. I mean, there's college footage out there. There's college experience out there, whether you're looking for someone that from a high major situation or maybe a mid-major level that earned their keep and was a elite player at that level, it, that, those opportunities, those availabilities have just really changed the recruiting process. So it's still fun to talk about the high school stuff. The coaches still get out in July and these different evaluation opportunities, and, and they watch and they offer scholarships, and a lot of visits take place, especially for the upper echelon of players in each class. But it's just different. It just has a different feel to it than what it has for years. High school football begins, uh, what, two weeks from tonight? You've got the scrimmages. Three weeks from tonight, August 18th, is the first night of Friday Night Lights here in southern Indiana. I was reading a story from Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, yesterday. We know about the Week 1 games. We've been through all the big ones. Charlestown at Silver Creek is huge. That's the Battle of Highway 403. Floyd Central with a big challenge at St. X on Night 1. There are other interesting games as well, but... What are some of the big games of the season overall? Well, I think you got to put that Charlestown-Silver Creek game on there. It's a Mid-Southern Conference game. It's a rivalry game, a lot of history between the two programs. So that's obviously a big one as well. But Brownstown at Charlestown, that's week two on August 25th. That's really a big Mid-Southern Conference game. It has proven to be that way the last few years as far as the MSC goes. Louisville Holy Cross at Providence is one that I always highlight on my calendar, a battle of Catholic schools, a smaller level, mid-sized Catholic schools in Kentuckiana. Other games of interest, Silver Creek at Floyd Central on September 1st. Uh, that's a good one. That's a newer series between two local rivals. That game will take place on September 1st. That's a good one. Of course, Floyd Central at Jeff, one of the traditional Hoosier Hills Conference rivalries on September 15th. Jeffersonville at Silver Creek on September 22nd. That also is a fairly new series, and I love to see when the locals hook up. We've lost some big Providence, New Albany, Providence, Jeff, Providence, Floyd Central games in recent years, but we're adding back now with Silver Creek, Floyd, Silver Creek, Jeffersonville, and Jeff, New Albany on September 29th in Week 7. That's one of the oldest rivalries in the state. Uh, Even if those teams are having great seasons, mediocre seasons or bad seasons and all three examples have happened in recent years that series still means a lot to both communities and both schools silver creek at brownstown another big mid-southern conference game that's been a big one silver creek 0 and 7 against brownstown they have been dominated by the braves but uh, that's a huge game in week eight typically in the way the Mid-Southern Conference standings shake out floyd central at new albany always a good late season game Hoosier Hills Conference and a battle of Floyd County, two schools and the same school corporation on October 13th. And then to close the season, North Harrison 
at Providence. That was a good game last year. North Harrison, a 21-14 winner in Week 9. This year, the game will take place at Sartini Field on the campus of Providence. That's also a nice way to wrap up the high school football regular season and send things into the sectional. So as it gets closer, we'll talk with the coaches. We'll have some key players on. We'll get you set for week one, and it's almost here. Fall sports, football, high school sports, the return coming up very soon. The TBT last night back at Freedom Hall and the Ville, which is primarily a Louisville alumni team, uh, had a big victory last night, 79-74, much closer than the Tuesday night first-round game. They defeated a team that was led by Chris Jones, who also is a former Cardinal. I'd like to know how they didn't hook up somehow and get him on the Ville team. He would have been a perfect addition to basically a Louisville alumni team. But the uh, Ville team, under the direction of Mark Lieberman, former Floyd Central coach, headed to the Louisville Regional Final at 12 noon on Saturday at Freedom Hall. They've got a big challenge ahead in the championship game. They'll take on the top seed from the Louisville region. Now, Louisville, the Ville, they were not the number one seed. They were number two, so they came out of the opposite side of the bracket. They're going to have to beat the number one seed in their region if they are going to advance on to the quarterfinals and play in Dayton, Ohio, uh, to see if they can continue advance on in this quest for $1 million. But wasn't there last night. Watch some of it on television. The crowd was amazing last night. The fans so into this and so much enjoying some of these former Louisville alumni that were parts of the national championship team, at least a handful of them. Uh, just a really special deal. The TBT has got to be loving Freedom Hall and Louisville as a regional, getting five, 6,000 fans a night there. And there's a big push for Saturday's regional championship game to see if Louisville could set the TBT record. I think it's 8,000-plus they've got to get to to set the record of a uh, regional crowd. So we'll see if that can get done. These rabid Louisville fans that after a tough season in year one for Kenny Payne last year, they needed this, they wanted this, they have supported this, and it's been really cool. I go back to my point of other colleges, hint, hint, Indiana, should, and Kentucky should get teams together. Let's put them all in the Louisville Regional and get 10, 12,000 people maybe at Freedom Hall over the course of a few days for some great summer basketball. Uh, hard to believe. I think Kentucky at one point had a team or tried a team. Uh, hard to believe a program with the success and all the pros and overseas guys that Kentucky has does not have a TBT alumni team already. I know Indiana, there have been some efforts, even an announcement that they would have a team and that it fell through. But again, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisville, Purdue, get them together put them at the same regional, get it rolling, see if one of those teams can get through there and come out and maybe win a million dollars to split among the players. That would be a lot of fun. So the push is on now that it's been right here in our backyard. And I was at the million-dollar game last season. It was awesome in itself. But to see this regional right across the river, there's no reason that this can't happen. Uh, I saw Connecticut earlier in the week. One of their boosters announced that Connecticut is entering the TBT a game they're going next season to have a alumni team. These teams are not all alumni teams. Some of them are collections of overseas players or uh, who knows how they get these teams together. But some of the more 
successful teams that are able to get a fan base behind them do seem to be uh, college alumni teams. There's a Syracuse team. There's been a Marquette team. A Wichita State team has been really good in the TBT team in recent years. The million-dollar winner last year that I saw in Dayton was, I believe, a group of Buffalo alumni for the most part. So uh, this Ville team, they've got a chance. They've got a big challenge coming up on Saturday. But I think they can get through it. And now the question is, can they win a million dollars? It's been fun. Check it out if you haven't already. If you're missing basketball, check it out. It's a lot of fun. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, John Mugar, he's the founder and director of the $1 million TBT, the basketball tournament. We're going to talk with him about his thoughts on Freedom Hall and the Louisville Regional and is Indiana and Kentucky, are they players for a team next year? We'll talk with John Bugard next. Stay with us. You're listening to a Friday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. IU basketball, high school hoops, recruiting, summer leagues, and more. So the TBT, the Million Dollar Tournament, uh, the Million Dollar the Basketball Tournament, has been a great interest of mine, and I know a number of you that listen to the program. It fills a void when the high school summer leagues come to a close and the NBA Summer League wraps up uh, to help get us to college football and get us at least a little closer to the NBA and the next basketball season. So we've enjoyed having John Mugar, the CEO and founder of the basketball tournament with us the past few summers for a chat about the tournament each year. And it's also been interesting to get some insight from him on just how this thing came together initially and how it's grown over the years. And I believe that John has been in Louisville the last week or so for the Louisville Regional at Freedom Hall. And John, I was there on Tuesday night let me be one of the first to salute you. A job well done, not just with the TBT, but bringing a regional to Louisville. The crowd has been amazing. The basketball has been great. We've got to get Indiana and Kentucky in there next year with alumni teams. Hey, the environment has been unbelievable. Um, I have been in Louisville for, for both games, and we know that this area here, Louisville in, in general, beyond that into Indiana, is the hotbed. Of, uh, of, I think, real basketball fans and college basketball fans in particular. So it's great to be able to get into this market. Absolutely. John Mugar, the founder, CEO of the basketball tournament with us. Let's just go back in time a minute. I know we've had this conversation before, but for listeners maybe that have been bitten by the TBT bug for the first time this summer, can you talk about your idea, this concept, and how all this came together and how it's grown in a major way from summer to summer? I, I grew up a huge, huge fan of all of the 1980s films about the underdog. Uh, Hoosiers, Chief Among Them, um, Field of Dreams, all of these Rocky, Karate Kid, these, this idea of anybody coming from anywhere, uh, entering a tournament format and achieving greatness through it. So I was texting back and forth with a, a friend of mine since we were 13 years old, uh, 10 years ago now, and we said, what do you think would happen if we just put a huge amount of money on the table and invited any team in the world to play for it? 
sort of like the old school open Indiana high school basketball tournament model. Who would enter? Would LeBron play? Would the Lakers play? Would Duke play? Would guys from the YMCA be able to compete? Would women be able to compete? And just to, and it went from there, and it was just a chat amongst friends, and then it grew into a bit of an obsession, and then it grew into uh, an actual concept that we put on in the first year for a half a million dollars, and now here we are 10 years later. Absolutely. Great stuff. John Ugar, the basketball tournament, my guest. This week in Louisville, the basketball has been great, not just the crowd and the environment, but I really thought Tuesday's games and even last night were high-level, very physical games, and I guess you expect that with a million dollars ultimately on the line. But as you look across the different regionals, the different teams, especially some of the alumni teams across the country, it's not just summer league basketball that's ragtag and very physical. I think it's really good basketball. We've seen some high-level hoops this summer. We have, and I think that's what surprises a lot of people like fans in Louisville, is that the last time they see these players up close playing on a stage like this, they're in college and they're 18, 19, 20 years old. And in the 10 years since they've seen them, they've been playing professional basketball with very structured coaches, in many cases overseas. They've been developing physically, and they're better players than they were in college, more skilled players than they were in college. So the basketball is very, very high IQ. And it's very intense, obviously. Every possession matters, and that's what our product's all about. John Mugar, founder of the TBT, our guest. Across the country, what's the crowd been like, the environment been like at some of the other regionals? I know I watched last Saturday a major comeback by the Wichita State alumni team, the Aftershocks. The crowd looked to be very similar to Louisville there. Are you beginning to see more regionals with more crowds and interest like what we've seen at Freedom Hall? We are. It's ticking up. It's ticking up, definitely. Our record for attendance in any year was last year, which was 56,000 people. And this year, we're already at 75,000. Um, and and the, the record before last year was only 30,000. So we've hit this notch over the last three years of getting into these great hotbed markets who understand basketball. We've now had our product in front of so many people that we're going back to places, you know, Wichita, been back for four years now. They keep growing into record attendances. Louisville is the first year. We've been in Cincinnati at Xavier and Dayton, and all these places are embracing it and then showing up in greater numbers the following year. Great stuff talking with John Mugar of the basketball tournament. Now, in Louisville on Saturday, the Ville will play for the regional championship, and if they win that, are they headed to the quarterfinals? Is it quarterfinals, semifinals? And, of course, the million-dollar game, that's the format at Dayton, correct? That's correct. Well, it's, it was at Dayton last year. This year it will be in Philadelphia. So oh, if the Ville wins tomorrow, uh, that game is at noon in, um, in Freedom Hall and on ESPN2. If they win tomorrow, they'll, they'll play the quarterfinal at Freedom Hall again on Monday night on ESPN2. And then if they win that, they'll go to semifinal championships on Wednesday, Thursday in Philadelphia. All right, great stuff. Championship game in Philadelphia this year. John, um, this tournament, uh, you've uh, formed a soccer tournament off of it. I followed that a little bit as well. Uh, what's the future of the TBT and of this organization you've built that now includes a soccer tournament? What do you see with the basketball side, and is this something you would look to do with other sports? 
Yeah, absolutely. We're looking to scale it. We had a great, successful launch into that sport of soccer into 77. And just like the Elam ending does uh, in basketball, where every game ends on a game-winning shot with that electrifying, highly intense final period, we did the same thing in soccer. Have every game end on a goal. We pull a player off the field every five minutes, and that gets to be incredibly electrifying as well. Um, so it worked very well for soccer, and we definitely are of mind that we want to take this high stakes, open to all concepts, to every sport um, in every geography. Uh, that's great. I can't let you go without talking a little bit about the Elam ending. Uh, it's something that we've now seen in the NBA All-Star Games. Other basketball events have used that uh, as well, but it really adds excitement to the conclusion of a game, and I think Louisville has been a great example of that, how things played out Tuesday with Russ Smith, former UofL great, scoring all eight points uh, for the Elam ending finish. Then he had the free throw last night. But it really does, even in a game like Tuesday where it really wasn't close or competitive, it, it still adds that little boost of excitement at the end. It does. It becomes the single highlight that encapsulates the game. It's whoever hits the game-winning shot. So in Tuesday's game, they were up by 20 or so points, and the crowd just erupted. It was thunderous once Russ Smith ended the game because it results in the best players having to be on the court and the most clutchest players having to step up in that moment, regardless of what the point spread is. We've seen that time and time again, and it's, it's worked incredibly well. Fans love it, and it, they, everyone stays through the end and is uh, very energetic through the end of the game. Yeah, great, great stuff, John Mugard. John, thank you. I just want to, again, what wonderful event. Uh, any sport, anything you try, I want to be an investor, and I believe in you, man. You got it going, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. All right, John Mugar with us. He, he's got a concept, and he's done really well with it, the TBT Fantastic Basketball. We'll head to a commercial break. Kyle Nedrip of the Indianapolis Star is next. We'll talk recruiting, high school football, and more. Stay with us. You're listening to a Friday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Design is key. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Friday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star joins us Fridays. We talk hoops and recruiting and maybe even some high school football today. Kyle, last week we had to talk about a couple key players announcing that they are headed out of state or at least headed to schools that are not part of the IHSA, meaning we lost some really key talent in high school basketball for the upcoming season. Is that 
all of the potential losses, or do you think as this new way of recruiting and high school basketball goes on, are we at uh, threat of losing maybe more for the upcoming season? Uh, I don't know about the upcoming season. Uh, I haven't heard anything else uh, along those lines necessarily, but I, I think it is something you know in the in the future uh, that we could potentially see uh, happen. You know, it's 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 part of it. I, I think anymore. I mean, it's there's so many more options out there, um, and it, it's something you know we've talked about over the years where. Yeah, we've seen it some here. You know, we see players like Devontae Smith-Rivera and uh, A.J. Hammonds going back. That's probably 10, 11, 12 years ago uh, that it does become more of a more part of the, the basketball landscape. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you always have some. I think they'll be, you know, it'll continue to, to happen. It's just a matter of how many, you know, how high those level of players are. We've had some transfer who haven't, you know, maybe rose to that level of, uh, you know, being someone you really take notice or, or whatever who've, who've also gone on to prep schools but you know the players that are the five-star guys will, will generate a lot of the headlines and, and guy, when guys like Catchings and Harrison leave it's a big deal to lose those that amount of talent so uh, yeah I think it'll continue to happen just to, it, it won't happen all the time but uh, you know when you when you are a top 100 player you're kind of a somewhere on the checklist for you know, places that are looking to add talent, and there's more options out there uh, than ever. So, yeah, we'll continue to see it, I'm sure. Kyle Nedrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, another player of interest for high school basketball next year is Kokomo's Flory Badunga, who will not uh, be at Indiana. We know that. Any progress in his college recruitment? He's down to four schools. Has he made a decision? Do you know if he still plans to announce uh, as Kokomo returns to classes? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the, you know, I've reached out to some people and there's been real no real uh, movement as of, you know, what I've seen this morning or heard this morning. So nothing solidified. I, I think, uh, you know, I think it will still be uh, pretty soon. I just don't know exactly the uh, when that's going to be. And I know, you know there, there's been, definitely been some chatter and if you follow this stuff, I don't know how closely everyone follows it from a, a day-to-day perspective, especially especially once uh, you know IU's out of the the picture and in-state schools out of the picture. But you know, I think Kansas has made some. You know, Bill Self was following him around pretty much all of July, uh, and the, so the the schools you hear, I think Kansas has gained some momentum. I would say, and Duke has definitely been the school that that is of more recently has kind of been uh, bandied about as the top, and even Flory himself has talked about his his uh, interest in Duke and his, you know, even coming from uh, the Congo, you know, Duke was a name that, that he knew. So, you know, I would say those two are probably the one, the, the other two on his list are Auburn and Michigan. So you don't, don't count them out at all. And I know Michigan, or, um, I'm sorry, Auburn had been, you know, kind of, they did at one point, I'd heard they were at the at near the top, if not at the top of the list. So, and that's going back a few months, but uh, but yeah, so I I think that'll still happen. I just I have I've reached out to some people, haven't heard uh, anything solid yet as far as when it will happen. But uh, I know he was hoping to have something done here in the next uh, you know before school starts, which is actually next week or maybe shortly after school starts. So hopefully that that'll still happen. But I heard unless he changes his mind, that was kind of the you know that was kind of the idea. Talk, talking with Kyle Nedrip of the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, somebody asked, you know, when a player like Jalen Harrelson leaves Fishers, whether they go to an in-state place like Laporte-Lalamere 
or whether they go to an out-of-state factory, basketball factory type environment, does it change recruiting or affect recruiting for, say, an in-state program like Mike Woodson at Indiana or Matt Painter at Purdue? And my initial reaction to that question is no. Uh, These coaches are recruiting players across the country with different communication tools nowadays and the opportunity to take more visits. I'm not sure that the uh, closeness matters as much. Obviously, if a player grew up a fan of a certain school, that can factor into things. But does any of these changes, and I know uh, the player for Brownsburg was already committed to Purdue, but does any of these change the chance of local players committing to local schools? Yeah, that's a good, I think it's it's probably depending uh, dependent on who the kid is and what and what they're and where they're going. You know, if they're if they're staying at Lalamere, you know, you're still in state. You're still, you know, Purdue has had good success recruiting out of uh, out of out of Lalamere and and IU has as well. And but but um, you know, when you're going to a place like an overtime elite, which is out of the out of the state, obviously down in Atlanta or you know some. Some different prep school in Arizona or California or whatever, you're you're probably going to be exposed to different coaches, and and also once you get to that program, what are the connections of that coach and, and the people who are there? I know, you know, like overtime elite, you know, they're going to have maybe some doors that may not have, you know, you you may not even know, you know, just because of your connections uh, to the coaches there, maybe a whole different set of of coaches and and. And programs that that uh, may become part of your recruitment at that point. So it, it's kind of a generic answer, I know, but I think it's depending on you know who you are, what your previous relationships are. Um, you know, I know the in-state schools would probably prefer you know that they they stay at their their high school, obviously, because you have more access to them. You have uh, more relationships, I would say, uh, to to some extent. Uh, although these coaches obviously have relationships too with the prep schools, so. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of a it's a tough one to answer uh, de- depending on the situation. I, I would say that the in-state schools probably prefer that they don't, you know, just because, you know, like I said, if they're at their traditional high schools, they have a lot of those relationships. They have, you know, easier access. Uh, but this state is so uh, picked over as far as, uh, you know, out, outside schools coming in. You know, I know we've talked over the years, Michigan State is basically acts like an in-state school pretty much you know they're they're recruiting a lot of high school kids from our area um you know and when they go after them they're normally one of the one of the top uh, you know schools for them you know xavier over the years has been a school that's come in here a ton you know a lot of these midwest programs are coming in here all the time um you know and occasionally the national ones do too uh so it, it's tough to recruit in this state but i, I from you know that for that question i would say uh, I think it's depending on the situation, but I think it's probably preferable if they do if they do stay home. Kyle Nedenrip, the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Kyle, you had a story, and I know I've brought this up on the show. I may have even discussed this with you last week, but hard to believe the Spies Fieldhouse. I think that's probably where I first met you at years ago when you were uh, focused on recruiting only for the Indianapolis Star, but uh, host of so many travel basketball games, AAU tournaments, run and slam over the years. Uh, It just was a basketball mecca in our state. And I think one of the unique things about that facility for somebody that's never been, so many courts all under one roof. It was always clean. It was always first class. But it was one of the first of that magnitude and of that level, at least in our part of the country. And to think about it being gone and all pickleball courts, I know that's a 
phenomenon of its own, uh, and we do a lot of stuff with that down here in southern Indiana, but it's hard to believe that the Spees Fieldhouse is gone and pickleball lives on in the former home of so much good summer and spring basketball. Yeah, it's it's really, uh, you know, I think because it's going to pickleball, that, that sort of enrages people, or it's sort of, uh, and I, I've never played, you know, I, I want to play pickleball, actually, I have nothing against the sport or anything like that, but uh, I think that sort of uh, adds to the, to, to the burning uh, <laughs> uh, embers a, a little bit, but I would say you know, and, and I will say I think you know if you if if you have a chance to you know keep the lights out of the place and this is the way to do it, then then man, you should you know because it, it's not the Spice Fieldhouse is not uh, used like it used to be. It's come under different ownership and, and you know things change and you know the in Fort Wayne I was actually up there last weekend for the uh, the uh, the tournament they have there at the end of July, and uh, they have two really nice uh, complexes that they use now, and they have for the last few years. And Spice has kind of become sort of a, a place where you know if you have extra games or they, it's still used for basketball at least up until this week uh, or last week, but but it's not it's so you know it, it's just not what it used to be as far as being sort of the mecca, and it definitely was. I mean, I. You know, I actually went over there on Saturday and between my son's games and went in there and, and, you know, my wife and my other son came with me and luckily the door was open. There was no one in the parking lot. There were people in there and one of the, the girls let me in and, and she kind of, you know, was telling us about, you know, the pickleball stuff and whatever. And then I was like, oh, we're just going to look around for a little bit. And it was dark on the far side there, uh, where those four courts were, um, you know, and then the kind of the inner part was still was still open there, where the cafeteria and had some lights on in there. Uh, but man, I mean, just being able to go in there and see it kind of as it was one more time, it just kind of brought back a lot of memories. I remember watching, you know, I don't know how many Kentucky Derbies in there, you know, because that would be the weekend of the you know the the uh, uh, running slam. So you'd you'd be in there during you know Saturday afternoon, the Kentucky Derby's going on and. You know, and either you watch it or you hear what happened, but that's just a minor thing. But then, you know, walking over there where the, the wall was, where they had the brackets up, and you'd go over there and see, like, oh, who who's playing? Or, you know, I do some interviews over there sometimes. Or, yeah, I remember staying there when, you know, Trey Lyles and Trayvon Blewett were about to go play. I think they were just freshmen at the time, but you knew they were special. And, you know, so many players. I remember watching Anthony Davis play on that court. Uh, I, I forget which number the court is, but kind of right when you walk in there and see the uh, first court um, to the left, and he, he was just starting to blow up at that time, and, and maybe just the previous weekend has kind of started to blow up, and you know, so just so many memories come flooding back, and how many hours you spend in there watching games, and you could watch games, you know, all, uh, you know, you just have a list of games that would be like, oh, I can see this guy, this guy, this guy, and so many, you know, from my perspective, all, a lot of in-state players, but a lot of out-of-state players, too, who were really good. Uh, and I know a lot of people felt that way. I was, uh, you know, that story just ran this morning, but I posted some pictures uh, before, and, you know, just the amount of people who commented who, you know, that place was special to them uh, is really neat, you know, and, and kind of the whole generation of kids who wanted to play there and, you know, the memorabilia they had on the walls, you know, the candy-striped uh, awning and the red and white in there was definitely, you know, Tom Spies was an IU fan, huge fan. So, uh, but all the stuff in there, just a really neat, like you said, it was a very unique uh, place. And, 
you know, even the new places that they have now up in Fort Wayne are really nice, but they don't have that, you know, sort of that vibe that just, you know, if you, if you're ever in there, you knew it was different. So it was just so big too. It was just a massive place. And, you know, just walking out, you know, you remember kind of how trash the bathroom <laughs> would be, like any <laughs> U-turn would be. But then, you know, walking out in the hallways and there'd be, you know, coaches talking to their teams and, and uh, you know, and, and I, you know, so many people that I knew who, you know, coach those teams and kids you get to know and relationships. So that's what brought back memories is just all the, you know, all the people you talk to and the, you know, the good times that you had there, you know. And so it's just, it's, it felt a lot like when I did the old Jim's book, really. It was like, uh, you know, a place that really matters to people. That's a, it's a place in time and it's over, but uh, it still uh, lives with people. So it just kind of, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's sad that it's gone, but, you know, it's, it's uh, part of life. Absolutely. All right, Kyle Nedrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, high school football begins just weeks from now, so uh, our lack of high school sports, uh, it will be over soon. The fall sports season and football will be here before you know it, and we look forward to continuing our chats with you throughout the high school season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, practice officially, I mean, anymore it's like practice has already started, so it's not uh, not not that huge deal when practice starts, but yeah, it's it's uh, we got a lot of stuff coming, a lot of stuff already out on football and and plenty more to come here in the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle Nedrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, have a great weekend. You bet. Thanks a lot, Matt. All right, that's going to wrap up things with Kyle and for our Friday program. Reminder, if you missed the live show, all you got to do is search for us as a podcast. Really, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us as uh, a podcast there. The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison is all you got to search for. And uh, no matter if you're with us live on the Big X in the 11 o'clock hour or you listen on demand, we are so glad to have you with us as we talk through uh, important sports topics each weekday here, including IU basketball, football, and of course we love our Southern Indiana sports and high school stuff as well. Kind of a unique offering here and appreciate all of you that are with us each day. Have a great weekend. I think we're expected to get pretty good weather this weekend. Of course, the traffic has been crazy today. I was trying to get uh, to New Albany from Clarksville. 265 is jammed up. This Sherman Minton Bridge emergency closure both ways has got everybody screwed up. So let's hope that they get that worked out and at least some of it reopened soon so we can get back to some normal traffic here in southern Indiana. But have a great weekend. And uh, we'll be back on Monday, 11 a.m. We'll be joined by Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, also Chad Gilbert, AD, and IHSA Executive Board member from Charlestown High School as we talk local sports with Chad on Mondays. Again, have a great weekend. Talk with you Monday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.